Alan, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's, I'm glad to be here. Looking it is really it. Yeah, same. It's really exciting. We're actually now starting our season three, and the focus is to adapt marketing mindset within the employee experience. And Alan, when we jumped on, you're like, Adam, I've been on this journey for quite some time. Welcome, welcome, welcome aboard. I want to jump straight into that, Alan. When did this journey begin? How many years ago? Because according to my records, and I've spoken to a few hundred folks, you must be one of the original OGs, as my kids say. Adam, you're an OG. Alan, how, how many years? When did you begin this journey? Um, I actually uh, started my career right after I graduated uh, grad school, which was in 1975. So my wife and I were uh, just talking the other day. It's almost been uh, 45 years, believe it or not, uh, that I got on this journey. Initially, it was all about uh, external brand. I got my degree, uh, graduate degree in uh, advertising and communications. And I spent the first 17 years of my life in the advertising world, uh, um, first at McCann Erickson, uh, working on the General Motors business and GMC Truck and Coach and Buick. And then I got recruited away to uh, go to Young and Rubicam, uh, where I had a meteoric uh, a career, uh, very blessed and, and grateful for that. Uh, I was working on the Ford Motor Company business uh, corporately, as well as Lincoln Mercury um, uh, in research and planning and what have you. Uh, and then um, in the latter part of that career, I, uh, I, was re I received uh, uh, responsibilities for new business development uh, at a corporate level, as well as merchandising and direct response marketing, working with Wonderman and uh, Kato Johnson. And I was able literally uh, to able to see the world uh, with Jan Rubicam from Germany to Japan to Korea. Uh, Latin America, Brazil, uh, as I was helping them win the Ford motor business on a global basis. So it was a very rewarding uh, experience, so I have to admit. I, I still think of myself as an ad guy, uh, you know, uh, 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 in every way, um, but uh, it has evolved from the topic uh, that we're going to be talking about today from not only the external marketing and advertising component, but the inside component uh, as well. And, and uh, that's where my focus has been over the last uh, 26 or so years. And there it is, 26 or so years that you focused on the internal audiences from external audiences. And I find this is, ex it's extraordinary thing happens when someone has created a career or had really deep experiences focused on external audiences and they turn to internal audiences, something magical happens. They're just blown away by the ability to create change. And Ellen, just if you were to zoom out of your career externally compared to your career focused on internally, what would be maybe some of the biggest takeaways before we jump into it? Because I, I want to capture the audience. I know most jump off, you know, four or five minutes and then they come back to the episode. I want to hear, I want them to hear from someone who's seen both sides. What are the biggest well, lessons? Um, the biggest lesson for me uh really took place in the late 80s early 90s um with the advent of process redesign re-engineering just-in-time management and that was like throwing a wrench into the internal workings of organizations 
so that they uh, were falling apart. I mean, they're, they're, the it, it, productivity and inactivity at the corporate site was just not working uh, effectively. And there was a, a gentleman by the name of Michael Hammer. He was uh, a guru of re-engineering. He wrote a book in the late 80s uh, called Re-Engineering of the Corporation. Um, uh, coincident, and I was at Accenture and Arthur D. Little during that time. And what we had observed, and all the all the major consulting firms were going down the path of doing re-engineering and, and TQM and, and all that kind of programming. And half of those projects, by and large, were failing. And through a conversation, Michael uh, Hammer was a personal friend of mine. Uh, our kids went to school together here in Boston. And uh, he shared with me that 50% of the change management initiatives that he was aware of and working on were failing. And he attributed that 80% of those 50% failures were attributed to people uh, uh, dimension and and communication failures that were taking place inside the organization. And uh, he said to me, you know, Steinmetz, you, you know marketing, you know advertising, you're an ad guy, right? Um, can't you figure it out that uh, so that these change management programs would be more successful? And so I sat down with a colleague of mine at Arthur D. Little, and we came up with an eight phase of four step process to uh, engage internal constituencies to support change. And that we, we coined it is called it inward marketing because you have, you, we knew, everybody knew what external uh, marketing was, right? But nobody really understood what inward marketing was all about. And so we, we adopted many of the same advertising phases and processes, but I, but uh, modified it for an internal audience. And when we did that, uh, uh, transformation was more, had, uh, had a better sticky value and people were getting it. Um, and uh, another phenomenon is we were able to, just like you do an external segmentation of your audiences uh, and you want to appeal to the message to the right person at the right time, we were able to identify the right internal audiences as well. The people that were in support of change, people who are uh, not sure about the change, people who were uh, enthusiastic about the change and the people who didn't care at all. And when you were able to segment those populations, you could invest your time and energy against the right people at the right time, with the right message. At this point, the audience is probably like, ah, Adam, this is why you brought Ellen on. Absolutely. Yes, you can see it. And, and Ellen said he started the journey to figure it out, and he has figured it out. He's worked with a number of Fortune 100 brands. We're talking about really big brands, Walmart, American Express, HP, McDonald's, American Airlines. I can go on and on and on. And um, Ellen and I were just chatting, like, what would be the focus of our episode? Because we can go to so many places. And there's so many places where, Ellen, you can add value to the audience. But there's a specific specific area we haven't done enough work in, which is, you know, when you launch a new brand, often called a refresh, although I think that's a terrible word, you know, but it's just the word people use. Often a refresh is actually a big deal. It's not like a little, it implies a little, you know, touch up. 
but it is much more extensive in most cases when new sites, new messaging, new really identity is created. But I said, Alan, what do, what do you think about, uh, what do we do internally when we do a brand you know, repositioning, rebrand, remessaging? And many organizations really fail, in this, like, like big time fail. Often employees in those organizations see the new values or the new beliefs for the first time during a Super Bowl commercial or an ad they see online or a billboard. And they go, yeah, 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 that's not for us. It's for our customers, which is a complete disconnect. So the area we're going to focus on with Alan is how to align internally with or how to align internally with external audiences during a brand refresh. And uh, Alan, you mentioned an eight-step process that you've created. So I'd love for us to just walk through at what point do you begin these motions? Do you begin when you're about to launch this a new brand refresh and you begin communicating externally? Do you wow. communicate much earlier when you're just conceptualizing it? When, when do we start? Walk us through well, this, please. That's, uh, Adam, that's a great question. Uh, you know, um, in, in uh, 10 years ago, I would have started with what's your external brand message and how do you align it to your inside audience? And so that they understand what it is you want to say to the outside world. Uh, in the last 15, 10 years or so, though, it, that has totally changed. Mm. Um, and it's all around uh, a strategic imperative around your purpose, your vision, and your mission and values. Um, and companies, um, in order for you to be transformative, and to meet the needs of your customers, you also need to meet the needs of your employees as well as your shareholders. And that surrounds itself, that, that creates a new circumference around purpose. What is your purpose? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, what is, why are you in business? Mm -hmm. um, and you have to go through the effort of articulating that and then expressing it through your mission and your vision and your values. Mm -hmm. And and you then transform that in terms of the delivery, the behaviors, the products, the distribution, the manufacturing, your 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 attitudes and your opinions regarding climates or social values. And if they're not aligned around your purpose, you will uh, alienate one of those three stakeholders, whether it be your employees, your customers, your shareholders, or uh, your vendors, we call it tri-engagement. You wanna align all three of those constituencies to support your, your, your purpose and your mission. And Ellen, um, let, let's just quickly go there just a single click, not a double click. And when we talk about purpose, right, we're not talking about making money, although that's, that's we understand that's part of organization's existence. And, and I, you and I spoke briefly about this. I have interviewed Simon Sinek years ago. He was part of the inspiration of the journey. Correct. But Ellen, when you think about purpose, that's a, that's a bullseye purpose for the organization. What characteristics would you think it, it, it should have? It's, it's why you exist. It really is going back to Senek's uh, uh, concepts uh, of the why. Why is it that we're in business and what, what fundamental uh, customer and employee expectation do we hope to achieve, which will allow us to fulfill our obligations to some degree on earth, but for my our customers. And if we do that successfully, the byproduct of which is we will be 
more productive and make more money, which is a, a benefit that goes to the shareholders. So I'm not, I, for me, it's not about uh, climate change or social welfare. It's about a fundamental difference that sets you apart from the competition. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was early in my career, uh, my boss at Young and Rubicam used to say, what are the things that you can do that nobody else can do to set you apart and still has a greater, higher value for society as a whole? And I really uh, have adapted that. His name was Bill Power. I, I, I have lost touch with him. I hope he's still well and healthy and, and happy. But you know, it's it's all about that. Uh, you know, uh, for for Dove and Unilever, it's about inner beauty. Um, uh, it's not about soap. It's not about keeping a cleaner face or or having softer skin. It's about inner beauty. And if 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 Unilever is going to help Dove do a better job at people feel good about themselves as a result of accentuating their inner beauty. Like, wow, that's that's an unbelievable idea. And if you're able to get your internal people to focus on coming up with the best ingredients and the best formulations of chemicals so that people could feel clean and experience that inner beauty and be able to serve that to the customers uh, through the shopping experience, that is, that's when you have the harmony and the alignment of an internal and external uh, uh, message that's a, a, a really common purpose. Oh, get with it? you, perfect. Thank you, Alan. And and taking us back to you know a refresh, if the refresh is to revisit the purpose of the organization, then would would you suggest for the organization to ask its employees? Do you suggest the organization to engage them in maybe a two way communication, or do you suggest for them to say, hey, what do you think about our purpose, or do you announce it internally first? What would be that kind of first step in, in the process? It's, it's, it's really quite elementary. You have to, you have, to have a, a 360 stakeholder assessment of, of your strategic options going forward. And your employees, uh, as well as, I would say, your future uh, employees, your recruits, uh, have to be part of that as well. Um, as well as your customers. In the olden days, you'd only do your market research with the, with the customer. Uh, at Young and Rubicam, uh, I was head of research, and, and we would only talk to customers. We never would talk to about employees. As a matter of fact, one of the major, <laughs> this is going to go way back. I don't know how, how young your audience is, but um, uh, one of the major problems was uh, that I worked on in my career was the uh, quality is job one campaign at the Ford Motor Company. Uh, and they had a major problem uh, where the Ford acronym was was fixed or repair daily. Uh, the quality product, the quality was so bad that people were and it, and and we found out that the reason it was so bad is because their own employees didn't care enough about their products that they didn't do the extra effort to make sure that it was the 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 wrench. And the and the nut was was tight enough, or uh, uh, or or in some cases, the, because of uh, union negotiations, would even sabotage the products. There was an old story about a, a guy, I think it was a Cadillac actually, uh, who put in an empty bottle with a note in the door panel, and the guy got customer bought the car, and he, for the life of me, could not figure out why there was this rumbling in this door. 
They finally, after six months, he dropped the car off and says, I don't want this car anymore. They took the car apart and they found this note uh, in a bottle from an employee saying, he says, until you give me an extra five bucks an hour, this is what's going to happen to your cars, oh you know. Uh, so so it wasn't until the Ford Motor Company created a, 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 a quality is job one campaign, um, if you may recall, uh, had a very uh, great slogan uh, and, and musical sting. And we created a 360 assessment. We got the employees involved. We got the unions involved. We got the customers involved. And what were we going to do together to improve the quality of Ford Motor Company and over the course and, and make it job one? Job one is the highest priority that a company can do. Um, and they uh, worked together to improve that performance. And, and literally in 19 months, they were able to reverse the poor quality uh, ratings of the Ford Motor Company and were able to will, eventually win the Baldrige Award, uh, which is the United States measure of, uh, of uh, best quality uh, built um, uh, OSHA products in the world. And so it can be done. It has been been done. The same thing happened to some degree with the uh, uh, with the uh, imports uh, uh, in the early 70s. Also, it wasn't until uh, you know they they only they didn't care. Whereas you know, in contrast today, you have a campaign uh, from Subaru. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with this. That there's a great case history on our website about Subaru. Uh, which is not a client of ours, but I, I, I so admire what they have done. Their brand purpose is love. Imagine that, a, an automotive company that focuses on love. And what they're basically saying, that if you love your customer and your employee, you love the product, that that can be a common purpose to ensure high quality, safety, uh, uh, access, uh, fun, uh, uh, drivability and so on and so forth. And the way that they represent that is by using puppies, adorable, lovable puppies. Um, and they do it day in and day out. And, and they've really in, in instituted love in all of their procurement, supply chain and manufacturing processes. It's fascinating to do a, a, a good in-depth analysis of how something as simple as love or inner beauty mm -hmm. uh, or, or something like that could you be used to motivate and inspire uh, another one is is that i i use a lot which is a, a client was a client of ours for for many years was walmart uh and and walmart uh, has had the same sam walton uh tagline save money live better from its inception in the 60s uh, but they did couldn't a, a very effectively uh, translate that to their internal constituencies. And what does that mean? If you would walk into a typical Walmart store and say, uh, hey, uh, as a Walmart worker, tell me what save money lives better means and why should I care? Uh, they couldn't do that. Uh, it wasn't until through our effort, we were able to translate that external brand message into an internal demonstration of behavioral change uh, that uh, really things in many ways really took off in terms of uh, uh, their ability to surpass their competitors like Kohl's and, 
and target. And that was what we did for them is, well, what does that mean in terms of a behavioral change for every single employee? Um, and we came up with a concept called EDLP, everyday low prices. If, if they do everything in their job on a daily basis to lower the cost of uh, prices for customers, ultimately that will allow customers to save money and live better. And if they are able to do that, it becomes a virtual circle where the employees and associates, is what they call them, will live better as well. And, uh, and that has, has translated into better educational opportunities, better salaries, uh, 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 promotions, and so on and so forth, so they can take care of their own employees. So we used to say EDLP uh, translates into SMLB, save money, live better. And it was a very, very successful long-term campaign. And it's still pretty much in existence today. Fascinating. And, and Alan, you know, and, and I saw you commented in our commun innovators community. Uh, interesting question would be, as organizations are going through this, do they need a, a independent perspective, a, a third party to come in to support it? Or do you see them being able to do this themselves, the stuff we're discussing now, to get the internal constituents to be engaged in the process? Uh, especially what I find in larger organizations, you know, the, the probably fatigue around initiatives. There's maybe in many cases, do they listen? Do they actually listen to what we have to say? But what's your take? Can an organization do it themselves or should they bring someone from, from outside the organization to support the process? Well, um, I think it depends on the corporation and the hybrid. It, it all starts with having an internal champion who recognizes, and that could be a CEO or it could be a head of marketing or a head of uh, HR, someone, someone, someone inside the organization who realizes that the associate and the employee play an equal voice, an equal component of their marketing mix, um, uh, and not just treat them as, a, as an ancillary consequence of operating a business. So that's that's really uh, uh, number one. Number two, when they come to recognize that they have to be able to allocate uh, monetary resources the same way that they would for an external advertising campaign. If you're going to spend $100 million on an external advertising campaign uh, and you have a large internal employee operation uh, as well, why not spend uh, as, as you know, at least 50 to one uh, on the internal constituencies uh, and make sure that there is a common voice, a common message that is conveyed on an uh, ongoing day in, day out basis with reinforcements of that message over time. Uh, so that's that's the second component uh, of it. Uh, and then the third one is, is, yes, you do have to devote uh, time, money and budget and programming to ensure that the internal and external messaging is done at the right in the, in the right way and in order for that to happen my experience frankly and it's a little self-serving I'll, I'll admit that is to hire an outside independent uh, advertising agency or what we would call is an internal communication change management company uh, who can help you with an integrated communications platform. And that starts with coming up with a message that is uh, compelling around the common 
vision, mission, and purpose. That's the first phase. The next one, once you have that, you have to translate into that, into a, a creative metaphor. How do you express that in a creative way so that people can use their imagination and internalize that message in a way that they can relate to? Um, and then, and I'll come back to that in a minute mm -hmm. as well. And then once you have that message and creative metaphor, you have to develop it into an internal advertising or awareness building program. Uh, that is usually done through some form of experiential communications, whether it be an all hands meeting, a webinar from the CEO to the to a broad audience, and then have it cascaded all the way down to the individual uh, store level in the case of retail or uh, operation or manufacturing plant. Um, the second phase is really educating them, uh, you know, uh, a training program uh, of some kind and uh, we are at the forefront of what we call gamification, uh, where we use uh, 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 methods, uh, communications, both digitally and, and in-person training programs through gamification, where we find that people retain the information longer and better, and they're more entertained uh, by learning. Uh, the third phase is what we call social programming, um, you know, how do you create a peer-to-peer -peer communications loop where it's not reinforced by leadership going down all the time, but by your common peers? You know, if one of your associates, uh, the guy who's on the bench next to you tells you, hey, we don't do that that way anymore because of this new brand, or this is mm -hmm. what we believe in, it's going to have much greater uh, influence and impact on uh, the behavioral change. And then the fourth phase is what we call recognition and reward. If people are doing what you've asked them to do, they're changing their behavior, they're, they're become brand advocates, uh, they're telling their friends, they're recruiting their buddies to join the company because of what they believe in, they should be recognized uh, through incentives by uh, attaboys, attagirls, um, uh, making them heroes uh, and, uh, uh, and and showcasing them, um, putting spotting the light on them so that other people know that these are the behaviors that we recognize in order to achieve the goal. So if you do those four things, generate awareness, uh, have education and gamification, create social media com uh, capabilities for peer-to-peer -peer acceptance and then recognition and rewards, and you develop an integrated communications of those four components, you will have uh, a, a much more a success at an internal rebrand or internal launch that uh, simply has, you know, that will make you stand out. We know that uh, from research that companies who have highly engaged branded uh, associates perform at 140% uh, higher uh, shareholder value uh, and performance than companies uh, that don't. And uh, let me just shut this off. I'm sorry for that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that makes, that makes a, 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 a huge difference uh, in terms of overall performance inside an organization. 140% improvement. I mean, we're, we're 147% according to Gallup. 147%. Um, Ellen, when we talk about kind of the people, which we just kind of 
you know, I think about this in broad strokes of an emerging market, people, process, technology. We talked a bit about our people. We talked about the process and, and the approaches that you just stated. Um, on the technology front, we all, and you know, you know, I'm a co-founder of a technology company. We often scratch our heads thinking about, you know, everyone's busy, really, really busy in the workplace. Getting through the noise is really hard. On the customer side, we see more and more of different innovative ways for how to send short messages. And the, send ads, right, are, are more relevant ads, right message, right time. Um, how do you think about that from internal perspective? Do you think we're going to be running ads? And if yes, are we going to be delivering those messages inside where work is getting done? How do you think about the future of technology for, for this audience? Uh, also a very good question, Adam. Uh... Uh, I'm a very, you know, having come from Accenture and Arthur D. Little, I'm a very strong advocate of technology platforms. Um, in fact, we we are uh, in the middle of building an employee uh, experience portal right now uh, for a major uh, client uh, that is entirely uh, using new technologies and VR and and uh, augmented reality and uh, 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 intuitive processing, gamification, uh, and, and using all of these different approaches and putting them together in one experience portal. So yes, uh, there, there are a variety. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a, a, you know, a, a commercial break within those things, but if, uh, who knows? But their in, internal advertising or snippets uh, and YouTube videos and what have you are already taking place. Uh, as soon as you walk into a major corporation, there usually is a welcoming video of some kind. Uh, there is a some type of a, a, a tutorial, uh, you know, interface that you can find out about the history of the company. Uh, so technology is already very much uh, present. Uh, I think the technologies, um, uh, there are some commercial technologies. Uh, I'll put a little pitch in for, uh, for one of my former uh, colleagues uh, who is uh, one of the principals of a company called Hub Engage. And they have created a communications platform to a large extent, based on our, our, our four-phase programs, where they have an ability to create uh, 360 assessment and communication capabilities to a large constituencies, uh, audiences. Um, and that could be text messages, it could be uh, videos, it could be emergency broadcasts, uh, especially around COVID, uh, it was very, very relevant. But there, uh, you know, just SMS messaging platforms are, are playing, uh, Slack uh, are playing a huge uh, impact on how people uh, communicate uh, the, the, the core purpose. It's, it's, just, it's not just tactics for tactics sake. It goes back to what's the core purpose and what's the mm -hmm. core message and what's the metaphor. If you don't have those right, then it's just messaging for messaging sake. And in, in many ways, in my opinion, it confuses what you're trying to achieve. There has to be a, a continuity. There has to of message. There has to be a cascading 
uh, making sure that the right people say the right things to the right people at the right audience at the right place. Um, and there ha all that has to be orchestrated and uh, technology. Fortunately, has the ability to facilitate all of that. Um, so uh, I hope I answered your questions. I, well, I, I do believe that technology uh, plays a factor. You, de you definitely have. And, and I'd like to just double click in one specific area. And I want to connect the dots to where we began. We talked about a brand refresh and you said the words, you know, right message, you know, right, right person, right time. And um, you just mentioned that again, you, you talked about a cascading of communication. And then, yes, we talked about technology and where work is getting done in Slack, Microsoft Teams and larger organizations. Um, the place, of, and I want to carefully talk about this, but in order for us to meet the customer where they are, you have to understand where they are. And the only way you do that is by looking at data, customer data. The logic then suggests in order for us to meet the employee where they are, is to look at the employee data. Now there's a bigger conversation on governance and responsibility. This isn't big brother. This is used for good to meet people where they are. But do you, have you had some time to think about this or have you started seeing that? Is employee data one way for us to be able to meet them where they are with the right message at the right time? Uh, yes. Um, we one of the th we we have a product called Change Effects uh, where we we measure pre to post uh, uh, audiences based on their segmentation of where they are you know people who've been there 20 years versus five months um, and we we are constantly monitoring their uh, attitudes opinions um, uh, learning um, knowledge. Uh, understanding things of that nature uh, for companies that use that on a regular and ongoing basis. Uh, so yes, uh, employee satisfaction, employee sta uh, uh, status uh, studies are 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 critical. Um, one thing has changed in you know it used to be appraisal systems and employee feedback studies programs were done once a year. Uh, we're finding many clients. Um, have instituted through uh, proprietary software and or syndicated software that they bought, uh, uh, Qualtechs and others, uh, where they can, uh, they're monitoring uh, 365 days a year. They're constantly asking for feedback and there's a running average of that information so that they're able to monitor indexing uh, on a daily basis, what's going up, what's going down, what's the mood, so on and so forth. Um, and I'm a, a subscriber of that uh, idea. I think that that's uh, beneficial. Um, and uh, if you monitor the information, you're you're going to uh, be able to get a, a greater sense of where things were. There's a there's a recent example of uh, this when when um, you know. There's a company here in Boston, um, uh, an e-commerce company called Wayfair. I don't know if you're familiar oh, yeah. with them there. Definitely. And uh, they, um, it turns out that when there was a refugee problem and the, they were uh, in the south border, uh, there was a, a, a need to uh, find bedding and beds for all these uh, refugees who were coming and immigrants that were coming over the border. And the US government bought a huge uh, contract of beds with Wayfair 
uh, you know, of course, Wafer didn't think much of it. You know, they, the, the government needed beds. We have beds. Let's, we negotiated a contract and a price, and here are the beds. But uh, the, the popular uh, opinion amongst their employees was so anti the anti-government supporting uh, uh, housing of immigrants in prison-like settings that uh, there was a mass walkout here in Boston and over 2,000 people uh, boycotted the, going to the office that day to send a message to the company that they were against the government policies of uh, uh, you know, imprisoning in, uh, immigrants uh, in uh, caged environments. Um, who would have known that? I mean, even research wouldn't have known that. Uh, but mm -hmm. with uh, by better understanding the Generation Z audience, which was uh, by and large who that audience was at that time, they probably would have done some things differently. And they, they in the end, they had to cancel the order. Um, and um, I don't know what happened at the the post post story, but uh, it, it's an example that if your internal and external messaging and strategy that are not aligned, it can blow up in your face. In a big way, in a big way, Alan. Um, so I understand in terms of employee data, the, the clear. My last question here would be, as we think about the future of people initiatives, people, process, technology, you've seen a lot of change. It's fascinating that you've been on this for 27, well, the total journey sounds like 40, on the internal 26, and then you there was a 10 years ago where you would have started externally first, and now you over the last 10 years, it's internal first. What do you think, you know, maybe one more big change that you think is is taking place from your perspective from what you're seeing in the market what, what what else is happening for our audiences to be mindful of and also one piece of advice that you would give to the audience of innovators who are on this journey most of course haven't been on this for as long as you have uh, but what advice would you give them well uh that's a great question and i i ponder that actually a lot um First and foremost, it's important to be thoughtful and creative. Maybe that goes back to my advertising roots. Um, mundane communication that doesn't inspire anybody doesn't do a, uh, doesn't do an effective job. So uh, I, I believe that the message that one comes up with has to fundamentally break the barriers of uh, of of mediocrity, okay. Hmm. Um, it, you you have to you, you have to uh, stimulate, titillate uh, with words uh, and impressions and visuals that imagines people to want to say, "Hmm, tell me more about that." You know, I, I want to learn something about that. That's the first thing. Um, so you have to work very very hard at getting past the attributes of words to the benefits of the words, to the emotional value of what those words mean, if you mm. know what I, if you understand. Me. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. I could talk about uh, sushi as wet, dead, cold fish on a patty of rice, <laughs> which is an attribute, right? Mm -hmm. Or I could talk about sushi as a, a romantic dining experience that is exotic and uh, tintillating in a way that you've never experienced before. And I just now, get hungry. Okay, now if I was going to present one or the other, which would you prefer? Oh yeah, well, clearly. Okay, so 
So messaging and creativity without getting corny, of course, not an example I just showed you, uh, is really important. So that's the first thing. The other thing that I think about a lot, uh, especially in the last six months, is the impact of uh, uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, it is huge and it, can, it is going to get even bigger. And when you couple creativity, as I just illustrated, with innovative uh, uh, artificial intelligence capabilities to write copy and create metaphors and to effectively communicate to your internal and external audiences, um, that is either going to make things more complicated or more easy. I, I think it's going to end up being more easy. So an and in, internal uh, uh, stakeholders and, uh, P, uh, and uh, uh, advocates need to embrace that, in my opinion, and and start using it in more effective integrated communications ways. Again, against our four frameworks: uh, the awareness building, training, social media, as well as uh, uh, recognition and rewards. And then the the third thing that I think about a lot, and I don't know how it's going to come out or flush out just yet, is the role of influencer marketing. Um, to, uh, until now, um, influence marketing has by and large been externally driven. You know, what can I say to influence you to buy a product? I think that influencer marketing has not yet come to its fruition internally yet. So how are influent, internal influencers going to drive and make a difference in the purpose, mission, vision, values? Uh, is also in terms of what decisions are made broadly and strategically within the organization. And that's where the role of the people, process, and technology could really have an impact is, 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 is if inf internal influencer marketing plays a role at, at corporate performance and governance. That, that would be very, very interesting. I don't know about a few of the innovators listening right now, but my mind went straight into organizational network analysis that you can now, with the data that you have, especially in the Microsoft ecosystem, you can identify those influencers and what's possible. Oh, my goodness. Just um, blows my mind. It's almost like episode two. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, Alan. Um, well, listen, I just want to say um, a huge thank you for your time. I know you're busy. I know you have a lot going on in your world. Just appreciate you taking a moment of, of your time to share your brilliance. And um, I know you've joined the community. Welcome. So on behalf of everyone who's listening, thank you. Thank you very much. I enjoy this very much. And I appreciate you uh, reaching out to me. And I'd be more than happy to speak with your guests uh, and your uh, other uh, members. And uh, you know, please, uh, if you if you hear this and you would like to connect, uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn as well as on our website at inwardconsulting.com. Check it out, y'all. Thanks, and over and out.